Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehila Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I'm your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am in Studio A today with a very special guest, uh, well-known author and speaker, Mr. Lars Inarsen. Hi, Lars. How are you? I'm great. Good, good, good. It's very, very cool to have you here. Um, I've read your books. Well, at least two of them. I know you may have written more. Right. Um, but uh, I want to give our listeners just some background. We, you know, On this podcast, we have all kinds of different guests. Mm-hmm. So we've had Orthodox Jews. We've had um, you know, other preachers and teachers, um, you know, people that are in you know, kind of uh, para-church you know, ministries and things like that. And so I want to just give everybody a, a, a background on you and what you do and all that. And so we'll start with, uh, why don't you tell us, you know, where you're from and give us some background on your family. All right. Well, uh, I was born in Sweden and grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor. Uh, so I uh, hung out in church from, as, you know, from infancy, uh, I can say. And uh, I um, have three brothers and sisters one brother two sisters and um, that's basically it about my family Um, i became a personal committed christian i I can say at the age of 12. oh wow so i committed my life to to the lord and um, began to uh, memorize scripture uh, from an early age, which has been a great blessing in my life. Otherwise, I have not no theological education, but I have um, been very fortunate that I was led to to memorize scripture. So that has been a, a blessing in my life. Yeah, absolutely. So you came to know the Lord at a young age. That's that's. Um, I mean, what a benefit that is mm-hmm. in someone's life. Um, you know, I, I was baptized with my family in uh, a Methodist church when I was seven years old, but I didn't really make a personal real commitment until later on, probably till it was about 19 or 20, you know, so making that commitment at a young age, I mean, I'm sure you've been blessed and you know, you know about that. But I have to say also that, um, I had, I made a further commitment to the Lord when I was 18 um, and I was about to start the last semester in high school before I had plans to uh, study at university. And before I made that decision, I took three days to be alone out in the woods. (laughs) Really? Yes, to commit my life to the Lord. And I said, this, this is really what I said. I said, Lord, people have told me that you have a plan for every person. And if that is true, here is my life. I give it to you and I give you the permission to uh, show me uh, before I make a decision. Now, if I don't hear anything and if you don't tell me anything, I assume you leave it to me to make that decision as best as I can. But here is your opportunity to, to tell me what to do. Yeah. And uh, what happened was that I, I, I saw a vision and I saw myself sitting in a boat and it was sunset. It was very beautiful archipelago, you know, and uh, but when I looked over the uh, into the water beside the boat, I saw there it was very clear water and I um, could see all the way to the bottom. But I could see that there were rocks just below the surface and i was thinking wow it's easy to run into one of these and you know i go under but i turned back further and i saw jesus was sitting in the back of it staring at and he said to me 
As long as you have this heart attitude towards me, I will always be here in the back steering the boat. And I, I saw that because of all these rocks and things in the water, uh, we were taking a very uh, unusual path that I would never have been able to find on my own. So I'd already at that time, I realized my life would become very different. It would be unusual and and I, I in my own uh, wisdom I could never have figured it out so what happened right after that it was quite interesting because I was very passionate about science uh, math physics chemistry those were my I mean I just didn't study them in, in school I devoted my spare time to these things and I dreamed <laughs> personal confession here my dream was uh, if I could become a Nobel Prize winner. Oh, wow, winner yeah. Time, you know, I knew my mom would be so proud. So my passion was to go to university and, and study. And But what happened right after that is that, um, first of all, revival broke out in my school. And people who have had, had not had any special interest in, in God all of a sudden became passionate followers of, of Yeshua, of Jesus. And, uh, and at the same time, my life became very, very difficult. I had a hard time in school. I mean, before then, I didn't even have to read my homework. I, it was so easy for me because I was gifted, I guess, uh, sure. in those things. But now, all of a sudden, everything became so hard. And then what had happened was that I had been uh, awarded a prize as the best student at school in chemistry to go to Stockholm for an international symposium in chemistry uh, specialists, whatever. It was a big thing, and I'd never been to Stockholm, our, our capital. It, so that, of course, was like, wow. And <laughs> the same week that I was going to be there, I got sick. Oh, no. And couldn't go, and that was the final. So the Lord sent a plague. <laughs> <laughs> and that became the final straw. I, I just said, Lord, what's going on here? I, I don't understand anything. And he said, well, didn't you give your life to me a couple of months ago? And he said, just trust me. If you, I, I took you serious, and now I will begin to steer your life. So... To make a long story short, when the final semester was over, I was done with school. It had been so difficult for me. Wow. And uh, so I had to take a break. And during that year, I volunteered to become a youth minister. I took a short uh, course in youth ministry. And, I, and during that year, I was fighting uh, what do I do? Um, I want to go back and study, but I felt the call. So finally, I remember one night, I th <laughs> this is funny, because I, I was laying in bed and I said, Lord, okay, I will give up my career that I have dreamed about, and I will s become, I will serve you. I realize that <laughs> seems like what did you want from me. So I will do it on one condition. <laughs> <laughs> I will ser serve you wholeheartedly. And when you return, I would like for you to take me on a tour to the depths of the oceans, to the outer space, and wherever, to show me these things that I have been so, um, uh, you know, interested in and so... Uh, eager to study and to research and to become somebody who, who discover. I wanted to be a discoverer. Sure. So I, I just leave that to you. When you come back in the millennium, you, you know, you just, you just show me all these things that I have so much wanted to know about. And that's where I left it. And I've been in the ministry ever since. That's incredible. What an incredible story that is. You know, the th thing that comes to my mind is that God may have protected you from the scientific community because the scientific community is very secular. You know, it's yes, very, very secular. Oh, I'm sure. In fact, what I, I was so, such a nerd, if you call it that way, sure. that I realized some years later I would have become 
very, very miserable. <laughs> you know, just sitting in a room somewhere without seeing the sun and just being, being, uh, you know, uh, with books. Sure. <laughs> you know, just becoming a, a weirdo. Yeah. But <laughs> just, but instead, it would have been hard for me to handle that. But instead, um, God gave me a very wonderful wife and a family and and a good life. Sure. I'm happy today. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Wow, that's incredible. Um, man, so so you do, you are married, you have some children and some yeah. grandchildren. And that's a funny story too. Because, okay. <laughs> because I, I first, uh, I had a, a girlfriend for a short time and it didn't turn out good. Um, so I opened up my Bible because I wanted to obey God. And I read 1 Corinthians 7. Paul says, I wish everyone would be like me. Oh, yeah. So I said, okay, that's me. Uh, I'm not going to marry. So at one time I came to a point where I really was desperate to hear from God. Uh, spent hours praying until I knew God would uh, answer me. And the answer came in, in, in the form of a dream who I was to marry. <laughs> and first I thought wow. it was the devil because I made up my mind you know the word says I wish everybody <laughs> was like me but the more I pondered it I realized um, that was from God and so sure. um, we got married and uh, we have three children we have uh, ten grandchildren and the eleventh on its way wow wow that's incredible and your wife and your daughter do they have their own podcast right uh, that's true. I mean, I have uh, I have made a Bible reading plan that I call Daily Bread, and uh, my wife and my younger daughter and my uh, daughter-in-law, uh, or our daughter-in-law, they take uh, they share um, recording a podcast where they read the passages from the Bible reading plan every day, and it's called daily bread for busy moms sure sure my um you know uh short confession because i think i told you this already but <laughs> yes. um i the daily bread for busy moms podcast <laughs> you know you pair that with the journal that you guys have on the rel media a site that you can also you can look up on amazon or on relmedia.com is that right rel media actually i think it is rlmedia.se okay dot se for sweden yes because you guys are from sweden right, right. Uh, and so it, uh, you know, funny enough, I thought that this was a reading plan for women. <laughs> and so today, you know, this, this weekend, you know, as you know, you were sharing in the Shabbat service, uh, you mentioned that you had come up with this plan and this is what was keeping you reading the Bible. And I had right. bought this reading plan and the Bible book and, and gave her, you know, showed her the, the podcast and she'd been listening to it. And, and, and partly because, um, your son-in-law, Daron, yeah, he's been here several times, um, from Cry for Zion Ministries. Uh, and I actually saw him when I was in Israel uh, at oh, wow. Hayavel. He came by, and uh, and your daughter Johanna. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my wife and and Johanna kind of hit it off when she was here, and and she's okay. the one that shared the podcast. And then, like I said, I got you I know I, I added the supplement of the reading plan book with it. But uh, all this time, I thought Johanna it made up this reading plan. Yeah, and then it was for busy moms. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Which the word of God, I guess, is for everybody. You're right. Amen. <laughs> in fact, it's. Um, I don't want to sound chauvinistic, but it's the primary responsibility for the father and the men. Amen. To to know what it says. Yeah, and we've we've actually we've because we are the spiritual leaders of the home, and we've expressed that I think through through our podcast and definitely here at the church that um, you know one of the things that surprised me about coming to here to Beit Tehila was how involved the men were. Because if you go to your regular wow. churches, right, the women, you know, they they kind of take the reins and lead on a lot of things, right. you know, and the men are, you know, drug by the hand into church, so to speak. And, uh, and here, even the dancing and things like that have been, you know, many times led by men, Will Bowman, Bill Carter, the guys that are here. Um, and that was one of the things that impressed me when I got here. I was like, wow, these men really are, they're involved and they're willful participants. Yes. Do you know what a reason for that is? As soon as you get into Torah, it will attract men. And that is something, yeah, that's something that I have seen worldwide. This is something that attracts men because we're geared that way. Sure. Uh, something that is practical, something that is, you know, uh, 
I think you were the one reading the scripture, right? What is revealed is for us. Right. That we might do them. Right. The secret things belong to the Lord. Secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed, they are for us and our children forever that we might do. Right. Okay. So this appeals to men. Uh, and it's a re I think it's a reason why in, in uh, ordinary churches or regular churches, men are not so much involved because... I think there's a social reason for that. I think that uh, the average, you know, lay person that, that, you know, casually looks into Christianity from a church level sees Yeshua as a hippie. You know, with free uh -huh. love and love everybody and accept everybody. And they just kind of see this as like this hippie guy going around and just healing people and touching people and loving people. And they just, <laughs> I don't think that attracts them. I think that, um, you know, men desire structure and organization, whether they're... We're geared that way. Right, right. And I think they also d desire the compartmentalized, you know, way right. that the Torah is put together. Exactly. And I think it just fits with their their mindset. And uh, And... And the deep study of, of God's word that's practical, because if it's too abstract, I think that that's where the, you, the not everybody, but the average man, you kind of lose their attention span once it becomes too abstract. Exactly and it right. Becomes something you know that doesn't have any tangible relevance to their life. Having said this, praise God for the women. I mean, Amen. <laughs> because my wife is, uh, I I can't say enough. Sure. Uh, words how, how how much I appreciate her. Yeah. As a woman of God. Yeah, I can uh, I can resemble that remark as well. So I, this was just a, an observation of it's not a it's not unusual. It's not a coincidence that you see a lot of men involved in this church because the Torah attracts men. Wow, that's cool. You hear that, guys? The Torah attracts men. I mean, that's. I mean that that it, that's self-explanatory, and uh, and also pretty cool. So, um, you know, everybody's testimony is different, and I know that there are many different roads that people take to come into uh, the Hebraic roots of Christianity or the Jewish roots of Christianity. And uh, I'm interested to hear, <laughs> you know, how did you go from you know a regular mainstream new testament believing christian who you know believes in the right. pre-tribulation rapture and and uh -huh. all of that to someone that is is you know looking at the relevance of torah mm -hmm. as if it's you know paramount to your faith it's just been a long journey uh, i guess I, it started when i um and my wife we came to israel for the first time in 1974 um at that time, we came with a tour. We were not married, but we later on that year, we got married. Anyway, so Israel became something that uh, really... Uh, I fell in love with Israel, I can put it that way. It was, And that's when we received our call to move to Israel already in 1974. Wow. Yeah, on Incredible. our first time. The last night we were there, we had a very supernatural encounter with the Lord um, that I can t tell you about later maybe but so that was a beginning and it was a new world for me I began to explore it through reading some books and it took me uh, almost 10 years to figure out really what this well, there definitely from. weren't the resources back then in the 70s no. and early 80s but I would that say there are today. my first encounter uh, or with this with the feasts and the Torah was when the International Christian Embassy started was founded and there was a lady here in the US who wrote a book about the Feast of Tabernacles it was called and you, I think you can still get it it was called uh, celebrate the feast uh, is it Martha Zimmerman no okay because there's a Man, I'm trying to think. We have a resource here. Um, this uh, lady, she is the daughter of Charles Parham. Okay. Huh. Who started the Pentecostal movement. Sure. You know, so I think she is. At least she's related. Anyway, so I got that book and I was so fascinated by that book. Celebrate the feast about how you can celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And um, so it made a great impression on me, but it w did not lead to anything specific more than, I think we had some 
some form of celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles at some time in, fam in our family, I don't remember. But then we finally moved to Israel and um, the first Shabbat I was invited to a Messianic Jewish couple. Ooh, I got excited about the Shabbat. I bet, yeah. Uh, and so I came home and I said uh, to, to my family, now we've moved to Israel. From now on, we're going to keep Shabbat. And they said, no way. <laughs> we're not Jews. Why should we keep Shabbat? Yeah. So it's, I it's was... bondage. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so, so I was voted down. Ah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. But then uh, the next uh, step was that I, I uh, was invited to a Messianic congregation in the Ukraine to teach on prayer because prayer has been my focus uh, from the 70s. Uh, I was called to pray. So, uh, and I have a school of prayer that I teach. So I, I was asked to teach that school of prayer in a Messianic congregation in the Ukraine. And it happened to be at the same time of Rosh Hashanah. Oh, wow. And seeing them, you know, dipping apples in honey and the way they were celebrating Rosh Hashanah, it was new to me and it was, that is really cool. So once again, I came back to Israel and now I made up my mind. I don't care what you do in the family. I'm building a sukkah here on our porch. <laughs> and they thought I was totally crazy. <laughs> but I did. I went and got some building materials and some sheets and whatever. And sure. I put a, a bed in there. And that's where I spent the seven days <laughs> as much as I could. That's incredible. And I had a blast. It was such a blessing. So um, that was... And then, shortly after, I, somebody told me about the Passover. And that really spoke to me. Um, and it led me to actually write my own Messianic Passover Haggadah. Oh, wow. Because uh, I'd never celebrated Passover or Messianic Seder or anything like that. But I, I got some books and I began to study and I saw... What a revelation about the Messiah. I know. It's just amazing. But the funny thing was that the Messianic people there in Israel, they said, ah, it's so boring. You know, oh, no. This meal lasts forever and you get, just get <laughs> tired and bored and a long story and all these things. I said, you're, you're crazy. Yeah. How exciting is this? Yeah. So that was the next thing. And... Um, Little by little, but it really didn't drop until I got in acquainted with the first Torah commentaries. Huh. That then it exploded. So I um, um, some Messianic Torah commentaries. Uh, it really uh, revolutionized my life, and I began to keep Shabbat. First, I was by myself. Uh, and I began to study on, on the Shabbat. I mean, I, sp I spent time for hours just studying the scriptures. And I tried to get my son, who has also been here, right? John, has he been here? No, I don't think John has no, been here. He no, hasn't. no. Okay. John hasn't. All right. So, but he's welcome to come. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah, he, he's great. So anyway, I tried to get him involved. And he said, no. Nah. <laughs> he was not interested. That's but, so funny to hear that now, knowing, you know, yeah, reading I, his stuff and all that. But I continued, and my wife watched me, and, and, uh, and she saw that this was, this was good. It, it did something with me that she liked. And then finally I said one day, um, listen, you don't have to keep Shabbat or anything, but could we have a special meal on Friday night? You know, it's good with a nice meal, right? Yeah, of course. And she liked that. She said, oh, that, yeah, I can agree with that. So, so you roped her in, you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> I said, so I did the kiddush and everything, you know. I said, you can just listen. You don't have to do anything. But I'd like to do it because that's I discovered it. Right after that, though, Doron, who has been here. Yes. He uh, discovered the Torah and um, 
that changed everything. So now my son <laughs> got on board ah. and he quickly overtook me. I mean, he became more, uh, I remember one Friday afternoon, he came down to me all showered, white shirt and everything. And he said, dad, what you're doing? Haven't you uh, even showered yet? Shabbat is, is about to begin. <laughs> It's time to get ready. It's time to get ready. So, yeah. so we are, uh, needless to say, the entire family, we are very excited about the Torah, about Shabbat, and all these things today. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny, I can't help but just hear, um, you know, you can hear the smile on your face, I'm sure, through <laughs> the microphone, uh, but I get the benefit of seeing it. And so, what a joy Shabbat is. Oh, my. You know, what a joy the Torah Let is. Let me tell you, the first time that I kept Shabbat. I was alone. I sat on the balcony. I saw the sun setting over the Galilee. Oh, wow. And I said, Father, the next 24 hours, just you and I. And 24 hours later, when the sun set again, it was almost like I heard one brother say, it was like being born again. Wow. Again. Wow. Something Incredible. exploded inside of me because I realized, God, you're not just interested in my soul, getting saved, going to heaven one day. You're interested in me as a person. Yeah. My whole life. And, and to keep Shabbat is just a gift to me as a person that it's, it was designed this way that one day a week would be special and it would be devoted for solely for his purposes, sure. not going my own way. It just was incredible. So it's it's funny because, you know, listening to you speak about it, obviously it excites me because I share in your enthusiasm for the mm -hmm. Sabbath. But also, you know, it brings that scripture to mind where Yeshua says that, um, you know, the Sabbath was, or the man was not made for the Sabbath, it's the Sabbath was made for man. Correct. And, exactly. And that... It made me whole. God gives you a gift. Yes. Right. So somehow we twisted that into bondage oh and all this other, you know. People come up to me and they say, "Do I have to keep Shabbat?" <laughs> Do you have to receive a gift? Maybe you missed the point. You know, it just <laughs> yes. went right over your head. Right. No. In fact, I tell people, if that's your attitude, I'm not sure God is so impressed. Yeah. You know, now, it, here it, I it am. Brings... I'm trying. To do my best to please you, no. You gave me a little, uh, you know, little magazine thing yesterday, and one of the parts that I was reading in there was about the sacrifices, mm -hmm. and um, and <laughs> what an interesting article that was, to say the least. Uh, I think John wrote written that. by my son, yeah, John. yeah, John, right? And and so, but it, you come to the part where it talks about Psalm fifty-one, and uh -huh. how many times have I read Psalm fifty-one in my life? A million times. Anytime I've ever done anything wrong, especially right. <laughs> if I've ever known that I did something wrong, that right. I did it anyways, you know. Then I come back and Psalm 51 is like that, Lord, you know, you don't want the blood of bulls and goats, you know, the, the, right, the, the sacrifice that you want is a broken and contrite right. heart, right? Or, you know, right. but it's not just two verses later that it says, you know, that it goes through the righteous, that then you'll accept your sacrifices on, on the altar, you know? Yeah. And so th I think that that brings that point. I kind of, I kind of feel like I could take those verses and that's Psalm 51, probably the last four or five verses. And I can extrapolate that to the relevance of Torah as a whole. Yeah. That, you know, God doesn't need you to keep his commandments. Exactly. Right? He, a loving father has given you his instructions. And if you, if you will heed them, then you will live a prosperous life by them. Right? Amen. Because they are for your good. Yes. So, it, so he doesn't... It's the best life to live. He doesn't want you to be a robot and do his commandments. Right. Right? He wants you to be compelled from love that comes from the inside out to do exactly. his commandments. Right? And it's a much different way. So when you come to the Shabbat that way... Right. It's completely different. And I, and I listen, I struggled with just this whole idea of the relevance of Torah and keeping God's commandments because within, you know, kind of the modern day mainstream doctrine of Christianity... The idea is that if you do these things, then somehow you're putting another nail on the cross of Christ, or you're or you're hammering a nail into it, oh into my. his feet or his hands, and that you're trampling him 
you know, because he already did the work. So now you're saying he's not good enough and that's why you're doing these things. So, wow. And obviously it couldn't be any further from the truth, but, but internally when you've, when you've heard this concept, either whether it's directly said or inferred in church your whole life, right? when you come to a completely different, you know, you come to that paradox where it's completely different than what you used to believe, right. it takes some you know, emotional, you have to get some emotional baggage off in order to start seeing it for what it is, that, that, you, that it was never true. And, and sometimes it's hard, especially when you're going back, to, mm-hmm. to buy into or to believe that something was, was never true, that it was never the way that things were supposed to be done, but that it was quite the opposite, that, hey, you know, I told you to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And mm-hmm. oh, by the way, I made it really easy for you because <laughs> I went ahead and I told you how to do that. Right. So n- no longer is it left up to you to just try to figure out on your own, you right. know? But that I've got, I've, I've rolled out the red carpet for you and given you this, you know, I call it low-hanging fruit because the commandments are easy. I mean, when you get into it, it's not, not real complicated stuff. I mean, sure, there's some stuff that I don't even understand. Right. But most of it, Mm-hmm. Is 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 pretty pretty simple, straightforward stuff. So I could tell you've got something on your on your mind there. Yeah, because <laughs> you know there are some verses you read in the New Testament where the kind of throws this, uh, you know, uh, it overthrows this idea you had. For instance, when you come to Acts chapter twenty-one and it says uh, Paul comes to Jerusalem and he speaks to. Yaakov, James, and right. one of the other brothers, and yep. and shares with them what has happened among the Gentiles. And it says, and when they heard it, they glorified uh, the Lord. And they said to him, you see, brother, how many myriads of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, Bible commentaries, they... they they uh, they don't understand how that could be, right. and they come up with all kinds of weird uh, explanations. How can they be still be Christians, so to speak, yeah. and still be zealous for the law? Yeah, the law, <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh yeah, and but I read something this morning, you know, from my bi- daily Bible reading plan. Oh, okay. All right. I took note of. Sure. So I can give you some fresh things here. Uh, because it says in uh, Acts chapter 9 that uh, in verse 31, then the churches throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, walking, listen, walking in the fear of the Lord. And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you understand what that means, you cannot fear God without obeying His commands. Right. right. So that's another way of saying they they were following the commandments of God, and they were edified by the uh, by the Holy Spirit. So you need that combination. But I mean, there are you begin to have new eyes. Uh, when you read the Bible, oh, when, you, when you have come to this understanding, Once that it's you, there, but you haven't seen it before. When you know, there's a couple things, but that being a big one, the relevance of Torah. When you go back through and you read, you know, um, those that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth, and it's like Amen. they go together, yes. right? Right? How, how do you explain faith without works is dead? Well, it's easy because I don't necessarily preach. Uh, or we definitely don't preach that the salvation is based on something you do. We don't believe in works-based salvation. No. But we certainly believe in salvation-based works. Right. You know, if you're not saved by works, but you're saved to do good works. Right. When there's going to be fruit on that tree, amen. I mean, don't we all want the fruit? You know, we want it. We want to bear fruit. Yeah. And and that fruit is not an abstract, right? That fruit has you know easy to to point out things. Here, give me two verses here from Psalms about this with fearing God. It just uh, backs this up. Psalm 110 verse, no, sorry, Psalm 111 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. And then the next verse in Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. See, they go together. You can't fear God without also showing 
uh, a delight in his commands. You know, it, it's funny, you know, just I have this saying that, that we say around here all the time, and it's just keep reading. How wow. many times do we so stop? Good. Because because that verse is a famous verse. The fear right. of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right. Period. <laughs> Read the rest of the verse. <laughs> exactly. But the, the point is that you need to keep reading. Keep yeah. reading. You know, we almost like scream it. Keep reading. You know, most Christians, they only pick out yeah, from yeah, the yeah. Bible right. what they like. Right. Instead of bowing before the scriptures to receive whatever it says right and reading it in context Absolutely. so important oh, trying yeah. to understand what it says all around those beautiful promises that you like to put on the refrigerator you know yeah and you get the whole truth and not just part of the truth absolutely you know the one verse that that really comes to line um if i believe it's in colossians and it says let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in regard right. to the holy day or Sabbath, you know. Right. And um, if you read that as a Christian, you can see, see, he's saying, you know, don't judge me for not keeping the Sabbath or the feast days and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you know, what's weird about this is he's sending a letter to a group of Greeks, like pagans. Right. And telling them that the people around them, that they shouldn't worry about them judging them about keeping the Sabbath and the festivals and eating kosher and, you know, so on and right, so forth. Right. So it says exactly the opposite of the way that you were originally led to believe, you know, or to read it or interpret it. But why? Because of the context. All I need to do is read the context and, right. then, and then I, and then I understand it. So, um, I want to, I have, how long have you lived in Israel then? You've lived in Israel since? We've been now in Israel for 23 years. Okay, so since '97. Wow, that's incredible. So you love living in Israel, right? I mean, oh yeah, I bet. Oh, yeah. Ah, gosh, I could. I'm, I'm a little envious. I have to say, <laughs> God forgive me. Um, I can just take a walk to the Western Wall oh, and go and pray. All right, that's enough of that. I don't want to okay. hear. <laughs> I don't want to hear any more of that. So, um, you ha- have founded a ministry called Watchman International. Right. Uh, and uh, obviously this is something that you love to do. You, you're passionate about prayer. Can you, can you tell us what is Watchman International? What is you know, your purpose and vision, right. and, and how yeah. do you guys walk that out? As I said, I, I was called to prayer in the 70s, in fact, in, in uh, October 1977, very specific uh, uh, experience I had during a time of seeking God in prayer and fasting. I uh, returned to, uh, I was in America at that time, I returned to Sweden and began a prayer ministry. Eventually I also pastored for a number of years, but in 1992 God called me uh, back to America and um, he said go back to your original ministry of prayer. So that's when I founded the Watchman International here in America. Okay. And one of the... Um, uh, goals of the ministry from the beginning was to pray for Israel. So after five years, it was time for us to step into the call to Israel that we knew all along, uh, even since my wife Harriet and I came there the first time in 1974 that we had on our hearts. So uh, the way it happened, though, was that after three years in 1995, we came to Israel. Uh, we had been there many times after 1974, obviously, uh, because we fell in love with the country. But in '95, we decided to go back and see if we could find, find the exact spot where we sat when God called us. Because wow, it was yeah. down uh, by the Mediterranean Sea. We sat on a, st- uh, a couple of stones there, looking out over the water that last night we were in Israel on our first tour and and all of a sudden heavens just opened up over us. We were like complete shock to us. We had not expected. We were not talking about spiritual things. It was nothing, just enjoying the the nice view. So we found it. That's where we sat. Wow, yeah. 21 years ago. And we um, talked about it and, and, and then the Lord said, now is the time so 
we went back to the U.S. and we announced to our uh, people that we were ministered among that now we're, our ministry is changing. We're moving to Israel. And I knew from the beginning it would take about two years to make that transition while we could pray and prepare sure. for our family as as non-Jews to move to Israel. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's not an easy thing, but uh, we, we prayed and I, I said to the Lord, I'm not going to try to sneak in the door. I'm coming with the family. I'm going to go with my head high, and I want you to open the door big. Wow, that's bold. Yeah, yeah. because I, if you have called us, you open the door. Amen. And he did. So um, we, uh, in a very surprising way that we had not expected. In fact, the closer we came to the two years, when the two years were up, it seemed like it was more difficult than it was when we started to pray sure but then with very in a very quick uh sequence succession the door swung open wide and we moved incredible so we came there in 1997 and we've been there since yeah wow that's incredible so so you founded watchman international here in the united yes. states and it's a prayer ministry it's a prayer ministry but when god said now is the time for you to moved to Israel, like I called you in 1974, we started a, a branch of the Watchman International specifically to pray for Israel. Okay. That we call the Elijah Prayer Army. Prepare the way. Prepare the way. Yeah. So you who are listening, everybody, go to our website, thewatchman.org. Okay. Click on Elijah Prayer Army and subscribe to our prayer letter cool it's not a newsletter it's not uh, you know for us pray for us it's to pray for israel it's to give direction how to pray so for prayer point specific ways yes. to pray for it's, israel it's um for the needs and i would say it's prophetic teaching uh a word that uh, that the lord puts on my heart that will explain and make the foundation for how to pray for Israel at this time. So sure, that's what it is. Wow, that's incredible. So um, do you guys have like a prayer center? Are you a prayer school? Um, you know, what is, the, yeah, what is the, how does that manifest itself today? We first, we first helped to, to found a prayer ministry in the congregation that we became part of when oh, we okay. moved there in 1997. Okay. And after three years, we moved up to the Golan Heights because God called us to go there. It's very exciting. Um, how we prayed for the fire to fall yeah. first, and then he said, now you are to pray for the rain. <laughs> and it comes from the Golan, you know, sure. that feeds into all of Israel. So sure. it was a drought. And uh, when we moved there, we began, our assignment was to move up to the Golan, found a prayer ministry there, and to begin to pray for rain both in the natural and in the spiritual. Hallelujah. Exciting how Hallelujah. God answered yeah. our prayers. The rain, the drought was broken, and we began to see a new outpouring of the Holy Spirit as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, yeah. So after that, after seven years up there on the Golan, we moved to Israel, uh, to Jerusalem. And now the Lord had begun to open up this with the Torah. And, and so the ministry became a little bit different uh, getting a lot into teaching. Mm -hmm. uh, I have my Torah commentary that you also can see on my, my weekly Torah commentary on the watchman.org okay. uh, weekly Torah. And so we, we devoted ourselves to that quite extensively for a number of years. Then we moved down to the Negev. Oh, wow. And just on the border to Gaza. Oh. When in 2014, the war broke out there. So wow, we were right incredible. on the spot and started to report on, uh, on uh, television and on YouTube, uh, daily uh, podcasts or, you know, sure. reports of what was happening in the war with Gaza. And we knew God had just planted us there for that purpose of, of having that spot. Uh, to be a watchman. To be a watchman, exactly. Yeah. He said, you've been in the center, you've been in the north. Now it's time to be in the South. I, the way God led us there. And it's, it, I, I have to tell you, because when we knew we were to move to the Negev, uh, we searched on the internet to find some 
some houses we could rent and so forth to move there. We, we picked out 12. And we were going down there to see which ones we were going to, which one we were going to pick. And when the day came, I was not feeling too well. So I said, you guys go, I stay home and I pray. And uh, during that time, when I prayed, God began to speak to me from Isaiah 35. You know, uh, the highway, the, 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 you know, the highway uh, of holiness. Right. And God spoke to me and I wrote it down in my diary. The way you are preparing for me is the highway of holiness from Isaiah 35. Wow. At the end of the day, they come back and they had not even looked on all the places that they had uh, picked out because they said, we know where we're moving. And you know what? The, the village we're moving to is named after a verse in Isaiah 35. Stop it. <laughs> and I said, can I show you what God is, what I written in my diary? So it was just incredible. And that's where we, I can say, we were brought into a deeper level of our ministry to prepare the way for the Lord. Because that's our logo as the Watchman International, preparing the way of the Lord. Wow. So, um, and then it was time for us to relocate back to Jerusalem. So we have a center there where we invite people for studies. And uh, I am, but I'm actually involved more in another ministry in Jerusalem now for prayer. Uh, that I lead prayer sessions weekly, so it's um, it's a uh, how shall I say? Um, it's a long-term assignment we have to prepare the way for the Lord, and we are seeing that developing step by step. Incredible! Wow, so that's that's very interesting. So, um, if somebody wants to to be part of that, they can go to the watchman.org man, not men but man right right so org. the watchman.org um and they can go and find the elijah prayer army prayer army and that will help them have specific ways that they can pray for the needs of israel um today i mean they can go exactly. and do that right now um and that's a way they can support you guys and then do you guys accept donations on your site yeah we do absolutely <laughs> hey right we so, won't say no right uh, <laughs> it takes resources to run a ministry in israel sure so there's a tag there donate if you want to look that up we appreciate that tremendously very good yeah and um, and also don't forget the weekly torah you can and weekly torah you can subscribe it. to and get our torah commentaries uh, we expect that for this new season we will also publish them in book form Oh, that's incredible. Wow, very cool. So if somebody likes to read it rather than, you know, absorb it through video or audio, they can do that. Yeah. Um, very cool. Well, that's, a, that's exciting stuff. So, um, you know, we talk a lot here about the reconciliation and the regathering of the whole house of Israel. And we see that as a restoration that is, you know, what we see as a theme of Scripture, Mm -hmm. um, of the, you know, the tearing down of the middle wall of partition between the Jews and the non-Jews, and the coming together of, of all believers, of all God's people, mm -hmm. um, who call on the name of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, mm -hmm. and, you know, working towards, you know, mutually beneficial goals and things like that, um, and even preparing the way for Messiah together. Mm -hmm. um, and so... I want to get your thoughts on, you know, the, the, what we call the reconciliation of Jews and Gentiles mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and having mutual respect, um, obviously living in Israel, mm -hmm. uh, since 97, you probably have a unique set of experiences and perspectives on that. Well, yeah, we are privileged to live in the land. And as you know, the two sticks will come together on the mountains of Israel. Amen. So that is uh, something we're seeing before our eyes, and it is fascinating. And uh, I would say the first thing you have to be aware of is that God will not make us the same. Um, God has made us different. Sure. And it is important, even though we are one, to see that we are different and that we have different callings and different... Uh, yeah, jobs to do uh, in the kingdom and, and how we can benefit from one another. We both have a very important role to play. 
both as Jews and as Gentiles. And to not confuse the issue of trying to be Jews or, God forbid, Jews trying to be Gentiles, uh, you know. Sure. But Paul was very strict, 1 Corinthians 7. He said, uh, this, I lay down this rule in all the congregations. If you were called as a circumcised, don't try to become uncircumcised. If you were uncircumcised when you, when you were called, don't try to be circumcised. In other words, you know, keep the callings. Each one should walk in the, he should remain in the call that God has assigned him. Sure. We so call that around here, we say, stay in your lane. Stay in, oh, great. <laughs> stay so, in your lane. Uh, but then it's exciting then to discover the role that we play and the calling that we have and to see and to be joyful in that. Because, um, you know, even within the Jewish community, you have different roles. There is, some are priests, Amen. and they are different from the ordinary people. Levites are different from the other. Uh, the high priest, of course, is very unique. So sure. there are, co- women have commandments that you, as a man, cannot keep. Right. Um, priests have commandments that you, as an as a ordinary Jewish person, are not called to keep, and so on. And the same with a Gentile. Gentile have, have things to do uh, that he, is unique, uh, and he cannot get into the calling of what is not for him. Sure. So, so that is important because I, you know, when I first discovered the Torah, I became very excited, eager, fascinating, and decided to go for it. Sure. Right? All the way. But I discovered after a while it is. I came to the conclusion of Acts chapter 15 that in the end it was impossible for me as a Gentile to keep all the commandments that are given primarily to the Jews. Sure. So we were allowed to be, uh, to start with the four that are mentioned in Acts chapter 15 as the basic requirements. And I love the way it is expressed in the way, in the, have you heard about the didache? The didache, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. yeah. The didache was, uh, is a document that is almost as old as the New Testament. And the full, um, the full name is the teaching of the 12 apostles to the nations or the Gentiles. Hmm. And in there, they give this, uh, this, um, guideline if you can carry the full yoke of the torah you shall be perfect but if you cannot do what you can right and concerning food uh, do what you can however make sure you abstain from food sacrificed to idols uh, and things strangled and from uh, blood yeah and from yeah. blood yeah so in other words it's not forbidden to to do whatever you can of the commandments but you don't have the same requirement uh, in, the, in a covenant requirement as a non-Jew to go for the whole uh, Torah. Because you have to be part of a Jewish community in order to fulfill uh, or to... Uh, or at least a Torah-observant community yes. that's all in, that has an infrastructure for kosher eating and for all exactly, of those things. Exactly, and all those things. So, so that is... Uh, there's freedom... But it's not the same requirement uh, for a non-Jew when it comes to the commandments. And I find that to be, I've landed in that as a very good uh, solution to this thing. And, and we, as Gentiles, I don't know how, how much I have time to go into that, but we can do things that the Jews cannot do. So that is... Um, what God expects from us. Sure. So, so for us that, you know, want to promote unity with the Jewish people and yeah. with Israel, um, what do you see are, are the things, because not everybody lives in the land and right. has these tangible ways that we can go and, right. hey, if every day I wanted to plant a tree, I could plant a tree every day or something like right. that, you know, yeah, something exactly. tangible. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are things that, that we can do or the listeners can do out in the nations to support Israel and to support the Jewish people? Well, 
Yes, to stand up for Israel, to stand up for the Jewish people's right to the entire land of Israel. And, and accidentally, that spoke powerfully to me from the Haftarah portion for yesterday in the Shabbat, right. from Isaiah 62. Oh, yeah. Where it talks about the land will be married. To, so I have been... Beulah. Beulah yeah. and, and all of that, you know. So in other words, there is a marriage covenant between the Jewish people and the land of Israel. Amen. And they have the exclusive right to the land. Anything else is adultery. It's in God's eyes. And so be careful for to compromise on that. You know, we have this peace plan going around. Oh, yeah. So-called peace plan. So-called peace plan. And maybe the greatest friend that Israel has ever had in the White House will end up being the one who can implement the two-state solution, and it's not God's will. Well, absolutely not. But yeah. in the Trump peace plan, it talks about, in fact, it's mentioned, I think, 300 times a Palestinian state. Mm. You know, it's it's interesting. The there's the phrase um, that uh, who needs enemy or with friends like these, who yeah. needs enemies? That's you know, right? And That's it's right. it's um, it can apply to this. So, in other words, we who believe the scriptures and who are not Israelis or Jews, sure. we have a unique call to stand up for the Jewish people's rights to their land, right. because otherwise. In a, in a certain way, it's like, well, of course, you want it for yourself, right? And you don't want any of other there. But when somebody who is not a Jew stands up for that, for the right of the Jews to their homeland, it carries actually greater weight. Yeah. So this is one thing. And it is uh, because our calling, and we've done such a poor job on it, but it's to provoke Israel to jealousy. Yeah, right, right. And that is something when you respect the Torah, when you respect the Shabbat and the feasts and you stand up for the Jewish people against anti-Semitism, you stand up for the Jewish people's rights to their land. These are things that can begin to provoke, at least open up the eyes of the Jewish people. Absolutely. To, to, uh, you know, there's, um, you know, the Jewish people feel our calling. Yeah, the Jewish people are just like any other group. There's a whole spectrum yes. of, of people with different views and different uh, observances, and, or how observant they are to the Torah and things like that. And yes. I can't tell you how many times I've been told, you know, you're more Jewish than I am, you know, because of right. keeping the Sabbath, eating clean, and, and things like that. Um, yeah. And and it, it is interesting, man. This has been a very enlightening conversation. So I want to just thank you so much. Thank you for, um, for allowing me to be here. Yeah, absolutely, and, and spending the time with us. Um, if our uh, if our listeners want to reach out to you, obviously we mentioned Watchmen.org. Uh, I also want to give a little plug for your books. There's two of them that I have read. One is called The Joy of the Whole Earth, um, which is about the importance uh, and the blessing that is Jerusalem. Um, and so, you know, some of you may be listening and thinking, man, you know, you guys talk a lot about Israel. <laughs> And you talk specifically a lot about the land of Israel and Jerusalem and all of these things. And so if you're, you know, if you want a good, solid, scripturally based resource, um, you know, The Joy of the Whole Earth by Lars and Arson, our guest here today, um, is a fantastic resource. I can tell you this, there's so much, there's so many scriptural references in the book that like you'll come to the point where you'll read like the first five of them and you're like, okay, okay, I get it. I don't, I don't need the 10 more to, be, you know, to believe. I, I see the theme and I, and I buy it, right? But, um, but he goes that extra mile uh, to, to really boil down the point about it. And then uh, another one is about the deity of Yeshua. It's called, the, um, it's actually called, I have it right here, uh, mm -hmm. The Stumbling Stone. And it's a scriptural testimony of the divinity of Messiah. And it specifically talks about why this issue is such a, a stumbling stone for the Jewish people. And, um, and from, a, from a doctrinal standpoint and how we, you know, I know that we as Christians haven't done a great job of representing the true scriptural Yeshua, Jesus, to uh, the world 
at large and much less to the Jewish people. Um, because think about it, if a Messiah comes and he is lawless and he's against the, the Torah, well, then he's not the Messiah at all. He's the anti-Messiah. Yeah. And I think that that's just one basic concept, but there's, another, there's a chapter in there that for me was very enlightening, the Echad versus Yahid chapter in there, and I think I mentioned that to you already. So I encourage you guys uh, to get those resources um, uh, either on Amazon or from uh, arielmedia.se. Or actually from uh, Amazon. Okay, Amazon. I said Amazon. Oh, yeah, you said yeah, Amazon. Yeah, said Amazon. Okay, I'm sorry. So, yeah, you can get those on Amazon. Um, and so I encourage you guys to read those as well. But, um, man, God bless you. Thank you so much for, for spending time. This has been very enlightening, very awesome. And, uh, you know, hey, we, we invite you to come back. Thank you. You know, we can, uh, now that we know you, we know all about you and everything now, we can get on to the, the more other subjects. So, um, bless you guys. Thanks for listening. Uh, you know, Make sure you guys check out those resources that we mentioned. And uh, have a great week. Yeah.